Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Well, hey, welcome to Venture Church. Look, I'm sure it has already been said to you at some point in time today, but let me just say it again because we mean it, right? Man, we're so thankful that you're here that you chose to worship with us, whatever brought you into the place today, whatever you are tuning in online, man, we're just glad you're here taking a minute uh, to be a part of of church with us. Now, look, if if I have not had a chance to meet you yet, uh, my name's Kyle. Uh, I get to to serve as a part of our team here. I get to serve as our campus pastor at our Jones County campus. And so if you didn't know, uh, we launched our fifth physical campus in my hometown of Laurel, Mississippi, just Two months ago, eight weeks. Today is eight weeks, as a matter of fact, for our Jones County campus. And listen, it has been so much fun to see, right? Yeah, go ahead, celebrate it. Yeah, it's good stuff, I promise you. Um, We started week one. We started uh, with baptism, celebrating life change, celebrating eternity change. I mean, it's been so much fun to see those stories. We started with uh, just one experience. We started with a 10 o'clock experience and Two weeks in, the response was so overwhelming, we had to launch a second experience. And so now, just a couple of months in, we're rolling with a 10 o'clock and an 11.30 experience. And then the, the teams, the house churches, just all that God has been doing has absolutely been mind-blowing. It's something that we've been praying for for a long time. And to see God begin to, to work that, right? And to see God begin to, to build the blocks on the foundation that, that he's been laying for a long time. Man, it has been such an honor. And so look... Here's where I want to start this morning, okay? We'll start with a very simple question. And so, uh, actually, I want you to write this down, not, not the question. I want you to write your answer down because when we, when, we, when we put something to paper, I think it does something in our mind, right? And so grab a piece of paper. If you're online watching at home, grab a piece of paper. If you're on one of our campuses, grab one of the communication cards around you. There should be plenty around you and a pen. And look, here's where I want you to write, okay? Very simple question. What do you want? What do you want? First thing comes in your mind. You, you can take that question any direction you want to take it. Man, I want to lose some weight. Man, I want to get in shape. I want to, I want to look better. Man, I want a, a new job. I've been praying for a raise. I, I want a better marriage. I want my husband to come to church with me. I want my kids to call me. I want, I don't know, whatever it is. What's the first thing that pops into your mind when, when I ask you, what do you want? No, while you're working on that, I got to tell you, man, I've been so excited about this series, right? Working on this series has been, it's been so much fun, life hacks. Because we, I told our Jones County crew this last week, we typically approach God's word thinking that it's, it's full of these like just big lofty ideals, right? Like, like things that, that, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I understand why that's important. But I mean, honestly, like I don't know that I could ever even live up to that. Or, or we look at it as full of these like superhero type characters that there's no way my life could ever match that. And, and it just becomes these like broad stroke, big picture ideals that, that, yeah, we may or may not probably won't ever really get close to. But the reality is God's word is, is full of, of truth for our everyday life, right? Like, like God cares about the nitty-gritty moments of life, or God cares about, we know that God cares about like the, the mountaintops and the valleys, right? Like I think we, we typically can see that, like we, we celebrate big when God's doing something big in our life, and man, we know when we hit those valleys and things are ugly and things are rough, we, we go to God with those difficulties, and we talk all the time about how, how God walks with us through those valleys, like we understand 
understand all of that. But one of the lessons I think that we forget a lot of times is that God cares about just the mundane in our life. Like God cares about just the every day, there's nothing special. I'm waking up, I'm going to work, I'm coming home, I'm eating dinner, I'm going to bed. Like God cares about those moments. God cares about everything within our lives. And God cares about our desires. And he cares about our passions. And he cares about the things that's on our heart that we want. But, and this is kind of the idea that's going to frame our conversation this morning. God cares about our desires and God cares about what we want. But he cares more about why we want it. There's a verse in James, is it James chapter 3 or 4, I can't remember. But James says that some of you don't have because you don't ask. You ever thought about that? This is a crazy thought to me, right? Like, like there's a God who stands ready to, to pour out blessings on us, right? There's a God who stands ready to give good gifts to his children. That's you, that's me, right? I mean, Jesus says, ask and you will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. He said, if, if, if your, your earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to you, right? I mean, we see this through scripture, right? That, that God cares about our desires and our passions and our pursuits and he wants to give good gifts. But James also cautions us. He says, some of you don't have, not because you're not asking. Oh, you're asking plenty, right? He says, no, no, no. You don't have because you're asking for the wrong reasons, You're asking for selfish gains, selfish motives, selfish desires. There's this kind of uh, threat I think we all live with to to kind of look at God and treat God like this cosmic Santa Claus. That's how I describe it, a cosmic Santa Claus, right? That that he's just there to grant our every wish. We just fill out the Christmas list, right? Take it to God, and yeah, he's going to give us whatever we want. And listen, that is not at all the case, right? We all have this, this like uh, fleshly craving, I think, for, for more. And as a matter of fact, uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear from our Gulf Coast campus, Pastor Blake Houston, really excited about this. He's going to talk about how to slay the, the dragon of desire because we all live with this, this threat, right? To just want more, to, to always chase after more, and that's not what God calls us to, right? Like, like God's purpose is not just to pour out more and more and more and more. Instead, as we, pers- as we pursue God more, he begins to change and cultivate and mold our hearts and our desires and our wants to match his. So that as we pursue our desires, we're in pursuit of him. And so this morning, the question I want to lean into is how do we chase our dreams How do we chase our dreams in a way that won't destroy us? Because I believe God has placed within us passions and desires and wants, things that that he's called us to pursue. But how do we pursue those things and how do we pursue them passionately in a way that that will lead us closer to him and not further away from the person he's called us to? So Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, I'm walking through the book of Proverbs for a couple of weeks, says this, chapter 13, verse 1, says, A wise son hears his father's instruction. But a scoffer or a mocker, somebody who ridicules, does not listen to rebuke. This was kind of the theme, right, for, for last week. And we, we talked, this is kind of a big theme for all of Proverbs, right? A wise son hears his father's instruction. Skip down to verse 13. It's kind of a mini poem here, right in the middle of the chapter. It says, whoever despises the word or the instruction or the knowledge brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Hang on to that, we're coming back. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. 
A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. One of the first guardrails that God places in our life in order to pursue the things he's called us to without totally getting off track is the idea of correction. We talked about this a lot last week, right? I mean, Jeff did an incredible job talking about how parents, I mean, we have a, a role, we have a responsibility to use what we've learned to lean into the generations under us, right? To, to, to parent, to shepherd, to guide our children up through the way in which they should go, right? Correction, correcting them along the way. But this is a reality that's true across all generational lines, across all relational lines, right? Like, like we, let me, let me give you a little bit of encouragement this morning, okay? Regardless of what anybody else has told you, you got some wisdom. It doesn't really matter how old you are. It doesn't really even matter how smart you are, right? We all have some built-in wisdom. And the reason I say that is because we have all walked through life. We have all had life experiences. And those experiences have given us wisdom. And I'm not even saying good experiences. You might have failed utterly. Your life experiences, right? You're just hanging on by the skin of your teeth. But even those bad experiences have taught you something, right? Have given you some sense of wisdom. At the very least, what not to do. And we talked about last week, right? Like we all have this responsibility to take the wisdom that God has given us through life and pour into others, right? To, to grant that wisdom to other people, to give that wisdom to other people. We talked specifically about our children, right? And raising them up. But listen to me. The flip side of that coin is that we all have a responsibility to put ourselves in places and to put ourselves in situations and relationships in which we can glean that wisdom from other people. Now, I know you think, man, Kai, you don't know how old I am. Man, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've walked through. Like, I don't, yes, you do. We all need it, right? We all need other, this kind of the, one of the major threads woven all throughout God's word is that we're better together. We need one another. Let me make this point incredibly simple for you, okay? If you're not involved in a house church, do that. Right, right now, listen, you can tune me out the rest of the time, take out your phone, pull up the app, hit the house church, but find a house church near you. And find a house church near you, be a part of one that's not necessarily about being around people that's just like you. Be a part of, be a, part of a group of people that's not like you. We need that. Man, people tell me all the time, Kyle, look, uh, can, can you help me find a house church? You know, I'm looking for, you know, some, some like early 50s. I want to, please don't. Like, please don't just look for a group of people that's just like you. You want to hang out with people just like you in the same stage of life? Go do that on the weekend. But that's not the body of Christ. I mean, look around, right? The, the body of Christ, the church, is beautiful in its diversity. That's what we need. We, we, we need diverse thoughts. We need people in, in, in different stages of life. We need, we need people who have walked through different experiences, who are actively in a different experience than we are, so we can learn, we can grow together, right? Correction, correction from others. This is one of the big ideas. Correction from others provides the guardrails in life that we don't even know we need yet. You need people, right? Listen to me. If you are 20, 30, you're newly married, you're thinking about getting married, the most important thing you can do is go find someone that's over 40 and let them lean into you. 
And that's not just true working upwards, right? I mean, it goes both ways. If you're 60, 70, 80, find somebody in their 30s. Because look, you might not believe it, but they can probably help you navigate some of the relationships you're finding difficulty with right now. We need one another. Find a house church and be, and look, while we're on this topic, I don't even have time for this, but I'm going to say it anyways. We're on this topic talking about house church. Parents, you need your kids in a house church. And I have this conversation a lot too. People are like, man, look, we get into some pretty, pretty difficult conversations. I don't know if I want my kids in that. Ben Wade told me the other day, he said, look, I'm going to tell you the back of the bus ain't waiting to have that conversation. Parents, you better get ready. Look, you, you can try to shelter them from the world. It ain't going to work. Or you can teach them how to deal with the reality of the world. You can be in that conversation with them or somebody else will have it. I promise. You need them there. We need each other. And so we need correction, right? We need each other specifically. We need correction from one another specifically. Go back to Proverbs, Proverbs 13. We skipped this verse a minute ago, verse 14, or verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 4. This is a verse kind of that God started this whole conversation with me. He said, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And I can remember studying the Proverbs and reading through it and specifically studying this chapter. And when I got to this verse, man, the weight of God just, just fell on my shoulders in a way. And he began to work in my heart and, and really deal with me. And he asked me this question. Hey, look, Kyle, Kyle, do you want more than you work for? Like you want a lot. You're asking for a lot. Kyle, you're praying a lot and that's great. But what are you working for? Hey, you want a better marriage, that's great, but are you prioritizing your spouse? Hey, you want a better relationship with your kids, hey, that's great, but are you making time for them? Hey, you want a, a, a better job, you want that raise, great. Are you honing your skills? Are you practicing? Are you getting better at your skill or your craft? You want it, that's great, but are you working for it? Yeah, man, yeah. Hey, look, man, the thing I want more than anything else is for my husband to come to church with me, and I've been inviting him, I've been inviting him, great, thank you, don't give up now. It says the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Not the one that can sprint, not the one that, that, that runs quick and hard, but the diligent, the consistent, the one that's constantly there, the one that's constantly working towards that goal, right? The one that's constantly pursuing the thing that's in front of them, that God's placed it from. That's where our soul is richly supplied. Five years ago, Brooke and I, my wife Brooke and I, we moved back home to Laurel from Nashville. We were living in Nashville at the time, and we moved back home to Laurel. And the only thing we knew at that point in time was that God was calling us to be a part of a work in Jones County. It was literally all we knew. I had no earthly idea what that was going to look like, but we began pursuing him, and we began praying over that. Had no earthly idea what that was going to mean, what that was going to look like. And five years later, we're seeing it. Now look, what I didn't know, what I can see now that I, I haven't been able to realize for the past five years is that God hasn't been silent for five years. It's not that God hasn't been hiding. It's not that God hasn't been doing anything, but for the past five years as we've pursued him and the work that he's placed in front of us and that he's called us, that he's allowed us to do, he's been building a foundation behind the scenes that's, that's made each next step possible, right? He's been working, and it's not our job to make it happen like that. It's our job to pursue him diligently and allow him to build the things that need to be built, right? We talk about life hacks. We talk about all these, these um, truths that, that we can live by. One of the most important things I've ever heard is, is diligence. Diligence, not desire, 
determines direction. David, David was anointed king and he went back to the field and he had to wait as a shepherd until God brought him to the throne, right? Joshua saw the promised land. He, he got to step foot in the promised land and see the, the fruit, see how special it was. And yet he had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before he got to live it. Man, Job had to wait in silence for 38 chapters until God spoke into his story. Listen, God's not hiding. He's calling us to constant, with consistency, with diligence to pursue him. And allow him to build the things that need to be built. Verse 20, Proverbs 13, verse 20. I think Jeff quoted this verse last week. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fool will suffer harm. You know, it's not enough for us to have correction, right? Have people around us that can speak into us, but we need good people that can speak good correction into us, right? We need, we need people around us that can speak good advice and good direction into our lives. We need good company. We need, we need the right people that will speak into us. It's like for a lot of us, man, we have... We have placed people around our, and I'm not just talking about like people we associate. I'm talking about people that we allow to influence us, right? Because as believers, I'm not saying we should go hide away in some holy huddle and not associate with anybody we think is beneath or more broken than us, right? What I'm talking about is the people that we allow to influence, the people we place in our circle, the people we, we place around our table of influence, right? We've placed around us, the danger is we've placed some people around us that that are reflecting a broken image. It's like looking in a, a broken mirror, right? You look in a broken mirror long enough, you know that mirror is distorted, you know that mirror is broken, but if you look at it long enough, you begin to be convinced that, that your image, that you are broken, that you are distorted, and, and slowly over time you begin to, to shift your look and shift how you're shaped and shift your reflection so that you look right compared to the broken reflection. And the reality is you've just made yourself distorted so that you can match a distorted world. Now listen, none of us are perfect, right? And I'm not saying we have to go find all perfect friends because we're, we're going to be really lonely, right? We, we can't place perfect people around us because none of us have that. But what we can do is we can place people around us and we can allow people to speak into us who are going to challenge us and who are going to call us to look more like our creator and less like the broken world around us. When you begin to look at the people around you, you begin to look at the people that, that influence you. You begin to look at the people that speak into your life. Are they challenging you to look more like God? Are they challenging you to look more like your Savior? Are they challenging you to look more like your Creator? Are they challenging you to look more like a world you know is broken? Because what they're calling you to is ultimately going to be what you look like. What they're challenging you to is what you're ultimately going to reflect. Oh, look, here's, here's the last thought I'm going to leave you with, okay? And I promise this isn't meant to be a Jesus juke, but it's the reality of Scripture. <clears throat> How do we chase our dreams? How do we pursue our passions in a way that won't destroy us? Well, we pursue those and we chase those second to God. You know, all of this, we, we talk through all of these Proverbs as we talk through these over the next couple of weeks and all this wisdom and all this insight, right? All these, these kind of like rules and principles of life. We've got to understand that they're all framed by, by one thought, right? Proverbs over and over and over again. You're going to read this thought over and over and over again. It says that the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
And what that means, like the fear of the Lord, it is not that we're afraid God's going to come down from heaven and just like slap us in the back of the head, right? That's not what that means. The, the fear of God is just like this, this right understanding of how big God is and where we are compared to him. It's this understanding of how great, how awesome, how incredible he is. How, how he stands over all of creation, how, how all life was not only formed by his, his mouth, but all life is sustained in his hand, right? And that here we are, nothing, broken. And yet in the gap stands God's love. And in the, in the expanse between his greatness and us stands his son who made a way for us to have a relationship with a heavenly father. And when we can understand that, when we can understand where God is and where we are, and yet he still made a bridge for us to have a relationship with him, right? Then we can begin to pursue him over things. Because here's the deal. If we're pursuing things, right? If we're pursuing even, even experiences in life, if, if, we're, if we're pursuing status in life, right? If we're pursuing that, that pursuit of more, we'll never achieve it. There'll always be something more. There'll always be a better job. There'll always be more money. There'll always be somebody who has a better house, a better marriage, a better truck, a better boat, there'll always be something more. But if we're pursuing God above all else, if we're pursuing that relationship with him above all else, if we're pursuing our creator over creation, then all joy, all satisfaction will be found in him. Our number one pursuit has to be in a life that reflects God. It has to be in a life that honors God. And in that, man, in that we'll find everything we could ever want, everything we could ever desire. We'll find the satisfaction of every passion of our heart. So the thought to leave you with is that if you'll chase your faith first, your feelings will follow. Chase your faith, chase your God, chase your creator, chase the life God's called you to and your dreams, your passions, your pursuits, they'll begin to mold and shift and shape into what God's called you to. So go back to our original question, what do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? What are you, what are you pursuing? What are you passionate about in life? Let me add a question to that now. What do you need in your life to be more like God? What do you need to add? What do you need to take away? What do you need to begin to change so that your life looks more like Jesus? If those two answers don't line up, then in that gap, in that middle, what stands between that's where you need to pay attention this morning. And it's likely going to tell you the next step you need to take today. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you, God, I thank you that you stand in the gap of our brokenness. Even though you are, you are great, you're awesome, you're majestic, you're powerful. I mean, all of those words we could use. And even in our brokenness, even, even in our incompleteness, God, you, you love us and you call us into a relationship with you. God, I thank you that, that man, you, you've put passions and desires in our, in our hearts to pursue after that. We don't have to live just, just a boring life, but you've called us to run passionately and consistently after the things you've placed in front of us. God, I pray that you'll give us the strength and the ability to do that well, to not grow weary of doing good. But God, I pray, and I pray that where our desires and where our passions don't meet yours, that you'll change us, that you'll mold us, that you'll shape us to be more like you. God, we love you and we praise you. All things we ask in your name.
Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.